thank you for your support with uh, the shoeboxes, um, not just this year, but every year you guys have been doing it. You guys have been incredibly faithful. And, and just to re-echo the challenge to you, last year we raised 300 boxes, and so the challenge this year we thought, man, we can't just keep tasking everybody out. So the challenge is not for you to produce more boxes yourself, but for you to take that challenge and bring a, and challenge somebody else, a friend, a neighbor, a family member to bring a shoebox in as well. And, and really what we want you to understand, too, is that not to look at this as a shoebox, but to see this as a life, to see this as the face of, of, of a child. And so far, those are all children up there that are going to receive these boxes. And we know God is going to answer prayers within these boxes. Uh, if you've been with us for a while, you've heard the stories on how these kids have been in need and they've needed something and God's brought to them through a shoebox. And most importantly, many of them received Jesus Christ. And so God can take a shoebox and turn it into a saved life, which is awesome. So please, uh, next Sunday is our last Sunday to bring them in. Um, you guys are just like us. We wait to the last minute. But bring them in, and please be in prayer over them. We're going to dedicate them. We're going to pray over them. And um, we're excited to see what God does in the lives of children. But we want to thank you guys for your commitment to God and, uh, and to the kids for, um, for this project. The second thing I want to say is um, today after this service, we are uh, having a, a special business meeting where we are voting uh, on the proposal on uh, selling this building. Um, no, we don't have another building yet. Uh, we just feel like God is calling us to take steps and to walk towards the Jordan, and that we feel like God has said that when you sell this building, um, then he will provide something else for us. And so we've prayed about it as a board. Um, and a building committee and fasted, and then a month ago we brought it to the congregation, and we've said, hey guys, we want you to do what we've done. That is just pray and, and ask God, God, is this what you're doing? We don't want to take one step out of his will. We don't want to run ahead of him, but we, we don't want to drag behind him. And so we trust that you've been praying and fasting with us. Uh, we know over the last two weeks we've met four different times during the week here in the sanctuary praying and fasting. And we're so grateful that, that so many of you were able to come out and pray with us on that. So please, stay behind after second service. I think you have to go get your kids and then come back. But please come. Only uh, members uh, who have been through the membership class can vote. But we want everyone to be here. Um, that doesn't mean that you're any less family. It's just that you haven't gone to the class yet, which we want to encourage you to do when we, when we next offer it. But come and be a part of it. And, um, and let's walk this path together. Amen? So stick around after second service. <clears throat> Um, for that. We continue on with Joshua. We've been in Joshua for, for quite some time, and I think, um, if you're like me, I think I'm beginning to learn so much more about the book of Joshua and what happened than I ever did before. I didn't think I realized how much was in there, and I know there's so much more than what we've even spoken about. But last week, Pastor Rennie spoke to you uh, about the covenanting that took place of the Israelites after they crossed through the Jordan River. So just to kind of back you up to that point real quick, and then I'm going to pick it up from there and talk about that a little bit more and talk about the mission and the purpose behind the covenant and, 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 and why they were doing that. But um, again, for those who are just kind of fresh with us and new with us, the Israelites have been wandering in the desert for 40 years um, because of their disobedience to God. They failed to trust him when he first brought them to the promised land, and so they end up wandering the wilderness for 40 years because God said, because you didn't trust me, you won't enter the promised land that I have for you. They've all died, and now Moses is dead as well. Joshua and the Israelites, about two million of them, are on the east side of the Jordan, 
looking across this flooding Jordan River into the land of promise, the land uh, of Canaan that God has promised them, but there's this massive obstacle be, you know, between them, and this is flooding Jordan River. It stands between them and, and receiving the promise that God has for them, and it's terrifying. It's overwhelming. It's huge, and so um, after three days of camping and, 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 and honestly just drawing c- close to God um, and consecrating themselves to God, they decide they're going to follow God into, into this obstacle to cross it. And, and God doesn't give them any instructions up in, until that day where he simply says, okay, follow me. And on that day, they, they've, you know, two million Israelites, if they've packed their stuff, they're ready to go, and, and they're nervous. And then God says to them, all right, you wait back a thousand yards while myself and the priests, and what we mean by that is, um, well, the priests carry the Ark of the Covenant, which represents God's presence with his people, towards this flooding Jordan River. And this Jordan hadn't backed down at all. It was still raging, still flooding. It was harvest time, so this is what it did. And so they just walked towards the water, and, and, and the water stays rushing and flooding all the time until they get up to the water's edge. And the minute the priests put their feet in that water, the water stops. That raging flood ceases. The waters pile up a great distance away, and there's a wide path opened up through this impossible obstacle that God opens up for them, and they cross over to the promised land on dry ground. They get to the other side. God's uh, priests and the the Ark of the Covenant is still in the Jordan, and God says to them, before this is over, send 12 people back into the middle. You're going to get stones from the middle of this obstacle, and you're going to erect this memorial, this altar for me that's going to declare my glory and declare what I have done here, so that when your children ask you, hey, what's this pile of stones all about? You're to tell them about this miracle. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about the importance of sharing our miracles. You know, God said that this, this, this miracle, this Jordan crossing, wasn't just for them. It was for, generation, uh, for every generation from here on out. And today, we benefit from telling this story about how God moved. We are benefiting from the miracle that was done many years ago with them. And so they, 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 they do this, they build this memorial, and then, and then the next step is God calls them to consecrate themselves or to recovenant themselves to him. This is what Pastor Rennie preached to you about last week. Um, like he said, talking about circumcision on Friends Sunday is a great way to invite people to the church, but it's just the way it fell. But this is what he talks about. God says, listen, you've crossed this Jordan River. This is, it's, it's an amazing thing, but now I want you to covenant yourself to me. I want you to renew your commitment. All right? A covenant is, is basically a pact, an agreement, a pledge. He says, so we've done this together. And so he says, now I want you to, to covenant yourself, and it looks like circumcision. All right? And, and circumcision, listen, when you talk about circumcision, that's real personal. Right? I'm just being real. It is what it is. It's in Scripture. That's personal. That's not so much corporate. That's individual. It just, it just is, right? I mean, we need to understand. That's how, how, how personal. This wasn't a corporate covenant. This wasn't an individual. This was significant to say, this is between you, not just you as a whole, but you as an individual and me. This is between us. This is real. And God calls them not just to a corporate covenant, an individual declaration. Man, if you're going to do that as an adult... You've got to be serious about what you're doing. You just have to be. Because, yeah, there's a lot of risk. There's pain. It's like, it's a serious commitment. You don't do that out of a cheap commitment. You do something like that, that's a commitment to God. And God says, I'm going to call you to this, to covenant. 
with him. Anyway, in, in verse 9 of Joshua chapter 5, I love what God says to Joshua. This is on the other side now of the Jordan. They've crossed over. And God says this to Joshua. Today, I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. Today, I have rolled away the reproach from Egypt from you. He basically says, hey, listen, now the past is behind you. What was on the east side of the Jordan is no longer relevant on the west side. We have crossed something. You've gone from death into life. You've gone from the land of disobedience where you followed your own ways, where your parents died because they didn't trust God, into trusting me. There's a new thing happening here. And so this sin of your parents is behind you. The shame and reproach of Egypt, the bondage, the slavery of Egypt is behind you. You are no longer wandering nomads without a home. You now have entered into the promised land. You're no longer wandering aimlessly in the wilderness. But now there's a new beginning, a fresh start, a new covenant. And so he says, hey, this covenant now, you're going to covenant yourself to me. We're in this together. And so we know, like I just said, this covenant is a pledge. It's, it's, it's an agreement. It's a pact. But as I talk about this, doesn't it have a ring of salvation to it? When you think about your salvation experience, right? Many of us come from terrible backgrounds, terrible sins, horrible things we've done, disgrace, shame, bondage, addictions, whatever the case may be. And then we, in our despair, choose to follow Christ. Maybe we're skeptical, but we we choose to follow him. And the minute we grab hold of him and we commit our lives to him and we latch on to him, he forgives us for our sins. He takes us from the path that leads to death to the path that leads to life. And then he says to us what? Your sins are no more. I have cast them into the sea of forgetfulness, right? They no longer exist. Your disgrace of your Egypt, your bondage, is behind you. The shame of that is gone. You will still remember it, but as far as I'm concerned, it doesn't exist. You have passed from it. That is no longer who you are. You're no longer represented by that anymore. You now are with me afresh and anew. How many of you had that experience, Right? You understand that at salvation, can you kind of see how that's almost this Jordan, this Jordan River? And, and what God says to us, right, after, after we become saved, what does God tell us to do? Be baptized, doesn't he? Right? What is baptism? Baptism is an outward public declaration of a commitment to Christ that represents something that's happened internally. If it hasn't happened internally, then the baptism really means nothing. It's an outward display. And so what happens with us is, is man, we, we get saved and, and, and we go, man, this is, this is amazing. God, is, God has set me free from, from my bondage and from my sin and my shame and my, and my hurt and all this despair and this horrendousness of my life. And, and now, man, God's calling me to covenant with him to what, surrender my life to him. To say, God, I am not my own. And so we come up in the baptism tank, as many of you have stood right here in this tank with me and or somebody else has been baptized. And we will stand here and you'll be asked a few questions. At that point, guess what? This is not a corporate thing. This is individual. 
There's nobody else in that tank with you except for the people that are baptizing you. This is about you. And many of you will stand up and you will declare the shame of Egypt that you've had in your life. Many of you will say, man, let me tell you about the bondage that I was living in. Let me tell you about the addictions that I, that, that, that I was in. Let me tell you about my sin. And normally what we say to you is, hey, do you have anything you want to say? And you guys start saying, man, let me tell you about who God is. Man, let me tell you about my shame and my pain and my sin. But now let me tell you how he's taken me from that to life. And because of that relationship, that personal thing that he's delivered me, man, he, he's taken me from death and horror to life. I want to publicly declare my commitment to him that I no longer live. It's no longer about Selwyn. It's no longer about, about, about yourself. But now I live for him. My life and my purposes, I've covenanted, I'm committing, I'm dedicating myself to him. My life is about his will. And then we say, based on your declaration of faith, we baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we take you and we, by the shoulders and we submerge you under the water. And that water is symbolic of what? The grave, isn't it? That water is symbolic of death, isn't it? See, and so what, what happens is, this is symbolically us saying, you are dying to self. You are, in order to get to life, you have to pass through death. And so you are dying to self. And we raise you, lower you under the water. And then when we raise you back up, it's symbolic of saying, I've been born new, afresh. I am a born-again believer. When you are born again, it symbolizes newness, new life, new beginnings. And you raise up born again saying, man, death is behind me, sin is behind me, and I am now a man on a mission for God. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. I have been crucified with Christ, right? Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 1 through 2, he says this, For I do not want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers and sisters, that our ancestors were all under the cloud and that they all passed through the sea. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. Isn't it interesting how Paul refers to the Red Sea crossing? Now, we've been talking about the Jordan, but now we're just jumping to the Red Sea further back. He refers to the Red Sea crossing as a baptism. See, we think, oh, baptizing started with, you know, John the Baptist Baptizing, man, the first baptism was in Exodus. The first baptism is when God led them out of captivity and bondage and led them through the Red Sea. And Paul recognizes, he goes, don't be ignorant, man. That's, that's where it happened. They were baptized there. They were baptized. God set them free. He took them from bondage and, and, and he moved them out. And what God had for them was, was a land of promise, a land of, of, of blessing where they would go and they would inherit the land. But so what happens is they come out of, this, of, 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 of their bondage, of their former lives. They have this baptism, salvation experience. They're being delivered, set free, and they get on their own and they start walking with God. But then they, they don't really live lives of obedience, do they? Sometimes they're for God and sometimes they're against God. When Moses is around, they, they'll follow him and when he's not, they'll build a golden calf. And then God leads them to this land of, of the promised land, and, and God's promised them this, this to them. And then they're saying, man, man, this is, this is great. This land is perfect, like you said, but there's no way that we'll be able to inherit it because the, the enemy is too big. And so they failed to trust God. They failed to move in obedience to what God calls them to do. And so what happens to them? 
They wander in the wilderness for 40 years. They never inherit what God has for them because they fail to move in obedience. See, honestly, baptism and covenanting is about obedience. It's about following after God. And so, so what happens with them at this point now is they wander in the wilderness, but God's plans and purposes for his people aren't through. They die off because God told them, you'll never inherit this land because of what you've done. But I'm going to bring it to your children. And so guess what he does? They come to the Jordan River, right? Everybody's dead now. Moses is dead. And there they stand. Guess what? They're standing on the brink of another baptism experience. They're standing in front of the waters again. And the waters represent what? Man, let me tell you, you walk into a raging river, a raging flooding river can represent death in the grave for you, can't it? Because you can easily get killed in a flood. And so they find themselves looking on the, from the land of self, from the land of disobedience, from the land of wanderings, from the land of wilderness, into the promised land that God has for them. And in between them is something that looks like death, a watery grave. And the only way for them to get from the land of disobedience to the land of promise is to pass through that grave. And to pass through those waters. And God doesn't take those through. He doesn't, doesn't take it away from them. No, he brings them to this point, again, where they have to choose to follow God. And so what I love about this is they decide, okay, they, they pack their stuff, they get ready to go, and maybe they're terrified. But as they walk towards the Jordan River, God goes ahead of them. They're following God. And God goes into the grave ahead. And the minute God steps into death, steps into this watery grave, it no longer has the power of the grave or death. Why? Because it ceases to exist. Doesn't it remind you of what Jesus has done for us? Didn't Jesus go into the grave ahead of us? Didn't Jesus take, take our sin upon him? And Jesus went to the grave. He went into the, head, into the grave ahead of us, defeated sin, death in the grave, and conquered it and, and, and rose again, opening up the ways for us that no, death no longer leads to eternal death. But now for the Christian, those who love Christ, death leads to life. We pass through death on the way to eternal life with him. And so we see this happening again. Man, this is baptism experience in, 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 in the Red Sea. This is this baptism experience in the Jordan. Do you know, obviously, where does John the Baptist do his baptizing? In the Jordan. Where does Jesus get baptized? In the Jordan. Do you know Jesus gets baptized in the, roughly the same area where they would have crossed the Jordan over to the West Bank? Kind of cool, isn't it? Man, there's some smart people that wrote this. And you look at it and you go, man, isn't it awesome that when God calls us to, 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 to come after him, he says, listen, I'm going to deliver you. I've got a land of promise. I have a land for you. I'm going to deliver you from, from the reproach of Egypt, from your bondages, from your shame. And I've got this amazing life for you. Come with me. I will lead you from, from, from death into life. And I will take you there. But I want you to give me your life. But I want you to covenant with me. I want you to lay down your life for me. And through your death comes life. And that's what we just did. That's what we just celebrated communion, right? Was this amazing parting of the waters where God just defeated it for us. And so God says, listen, you come. I'm 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 going to set you free. And I'm going to make you, take you place you never dreamed. But you need to give me your life. Your life is no longer your own. And he calls us to what? To covenant with him. Isn't it interesting? We have this baptism experience through the Jordan. They get to the other side. God says what? Now it's time to covenant. 
It's time to covenant. It's time for this to become personal. This isn't just a corporate thing. This is about you acknowledging me, he says. This is about you surrendering your own desires, your wills, and, and, and your plans for your life and saying, God, my life is all about yours now. It's about your mission and your plans and your purposes for me. And God does the same thing for you and for me in baptism, doesn't he? Right? Listen, there are a whole lot of people that haven't been baptized. They've simply got wet publicly. Do you know why? Because it was never his. Baptism doesn't place you in heaven. All right? Baptism is an outward symbolic action of something that's taken place internally in you. Unfortunately, I've had people get baptized here. They've come to church. They've, they, they've said the right things, done the right things. They've raised their hands in worship. They've said all these things. They, they get baptized, and they declare all the right things, how God's delivered them. They get out of here, and I never see them again. Is that a baptism, or is that simply getting wet? You just got wet. I hope that they turn around, and I hope that they find, find, find Christ. But let me tell you something. Baptism without obedience is nothing. Baptism without obedience is nothing. Covenanting with God without obedience is not a covenant. So God calls us so much, to so much more than just making cheap commitments. He calls us to say, man, listen, I'm going to set you free, but when you come out, I want you to surrender your life to me. And when you surrender your life to me, then you will walk where I want you to walk, and you will go where I, where I want you to go. It's not about you. It's about me. It's about my covenant. And, and so why I said this morning, even in communion, that this is, this is not just the past, it's the present, it's the future, but this is also a picture for us on how we should live. When we celebrate communion, we're celebrating Jesus Christ who said, not my will be done, but your will be done, and I'm going to die on a cross that others might find you and live, that others might come to God and know God, and they can do it through my death. God calls us to the same kind of lifestyle. That in you and through you, dying to yourself, you might take the light of Jesus Christ and his gospel to those living in darkness. And because you are dying to your own way of doing things, they will actually find Christ. And so this, this, this communion that we do actually becomes a picture not just of God's life, but yours. A life surrendered. And so we, we, we need to understand that in, in all of this, right, you know, we get so focused on the Jordan and go, you know what, man, this is so cool, this Jordan River, and they crossed it, and wow, it was awesome. But let me tell you, and, and I told those who were praying here this, early this week, for, for the Israelites, the focus was not on getting to the other side of the bank. I, I think sometimes if we're not careful, we can, we can, make the, we can, we can choose the thing, wrong things to focus on in our lives. The focus wasn't the west side of the bank. It wasn't... It wasn't it wasn't just getting there and building, building a memorial. It wasn't just getting to the other side. See, Joshua knew it because Joshua, before they even crossed, was looking at Jericho. He recognized the minute we get across this Jordan, there's a mission that needs to take place. We're not crossing the Jordan just to get to the other side and set up camp. We're crossing the Jordan because God has told us, go and take this land. So there's a mission beyond the west side of this river that exists for me and for us. And we need to be prepared to walk in that. Let me, let, me, let me kind of make it a little bit more personal for you too. You, your goal in life is not just to be saved. Your goal is not to, to reach salvation, get your, your ticket to heaven and be baptized. That's, this here is not the end all. 
this is simply the beginning. That's where it starts. See, because what God is saying to you is, man, you've been saved. I've set you free. Now, I want you to commit to me. Why? Well, because there's more work to be done. And you are my hands and my feet. And so because I didn't just die for you, I died for everyone, you now join my team in dying for everyone to go and reach them for me, is what God is saying. And he says, so when you come to this, to this baptism tank and you die to yourself, your mission begins. It doesn't end. But what happens sometimes for people, it ends there. Now I can come and sit in the pew and I can ro- worship uh, God on Sunday mornings. I can raise my hands and I can have fellowship and all those things are great things. It just wasn't supposed to end there. It was supposed to start there. And so that would be no different than, 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 than the Israelites going over to the West Bank, getting across the Jordan River and just camping out in occupied land going, yeah, Jericho's over there, but we're here. We're in the promised land. We're across the river. Now, God said, no, you go, and every place you place your foot, I will give you that land. And so for you and for me, God says, man, the mission is beyond you. Don't just look at yourself. Don't, don't make this about you. In fact, if you make it about you, you don't understand him. And you don't understand the significance of Calvary and death on a cross. He said, this is so much more than about you. you know, that illustration is even given when, when there are three tribes that are given land on the east side of the Jordan. And God says to them, no, you're not to stay here, even though you've been given your inheritance. You're not going to rest in that land till everybody has an inheritance. In fact, you're not only going to rest, but you're going to go ahead in front of everybody. And what he basically says is, man, until everybody has what, they, what, 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 what God has promised them, you're to fight with them. If I would have put that in a different words, to make it applicable to us, God says, okay, great, you've got your salvation. You're not to rest in your salvation now. You don't rest in your salvation until everyone is saved. Because my will, God's will, is that none should perish. So none should perish. And so don't you dare sit back and rest because you've made it now. No, don't only cross over. You go ahead. You lead the way, armed for battle, and go and take the land because this mission exists. See, when we hold back and we don't, we make it about ourselves. We lose focus. We don't understand covenant. We don't understand obedience. And so God calls us to this lifestyle where he says, okay, man, this is what you've got. So, so they get over to the other side, and God says, all right, man, covenant yourself, and it's personal. It's not just corporate. It is, like I said, I won't go back into that, but it's personal. And this is personal. This is personal. This is about you. It's about you individually by yourself. You might as well just get rid of everybody else next to you in this church and sit right here and, 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 and get rid of me and put God up here saying, this is about you. This is about your covenant with him. This is about your, it be, I don't care what anybody else is doing. They'll answer for themselves. This is about you. Will you obey me? That's what God is saying. See, we got to understand that. See, 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 the mission is accomplished corporately, but it actually really is accomplished individually. Because unless the individuals get behind and understand their covenant, their place, their consecration with God, their mission, it never takes place. See, you know, you know there's a reason why only, only like 10% of the people actually work in church? That's what they say, about 10%. We actually have a, a lot higher ratio than that in this church, and I, and I thank God for it, but we're not at 100%. So we're probably about 30 or 40%. And, I, and, I, and, I, and I'm, I'm, we're grateful. Like, we brag on that. Now we've got 30% of the people working. You know how sad that is? You imagine being like, man, God, man, I've got 30% of my body that actually functions. 
this is wonderful, right? No, but seriously. But this is, that, that's, that's actually disgusting as a church. I mean, we should be grateful because 10% of my body functions. God says, do you know what that means? Because there's a good chance that the other percentage do not understand their mission. And they've actually made it about themselves. In fact, church for them has become about what they can receive and get, not about what they can actually give. And so church becomes consumerism. Let me take in. Let me pick the church I want based on what they're giving me, what they, whether I like them, whether I like the way they preach, whether I like the way they sing, whether I like the way they treat me. Is the pastoral care good enough? Do they pay attention to me? Do they know my name? It's about me, 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 me. And God says, man, you are such a baby. You should be teaching by now. You should be teaching. You should be leading the way. Don't you understand your mission? Man, I didn't die for you to sit there and just take in and get fat. I died for you to take this out and go to this world. And so God says, man, this is about covenants. This is personal. Do we understand what his mission is? The Israelites, they're looking at Jericho going, man, wow, they don't even know how they're going to get to Jericho. They have no idea. God's not even worried about it right now. He says, you just covenant with me first. You covenant, then we're going to have pa- celebrate the Passover. That's more important. I'll tell you how you're going to take Jericho. Man, Jericho is an occupied territory. Jericho is a stronghold. I don't think we really embrace what they had to be going through. When you really recognize that this was a city that had been around for over 2,000 years, it was the picture of military strength. It was undefeated. It had never been defeated. No one had ever conquered it. Their parents had run away because of the strength of them. And God says, hey, you're going to go and take this land. Man, everything declared that God had no idea what he was talking about. Because it had never been done before. It's impossible. Impossible. Of course Joshua's mind's on it, man. Man, how do we even take that land? Because really, that's the first step in taking the land. They crossed the Jordan, not to camp out on the west side, but to take the land. And they had to move to take the land. They had to move in obedience to take the land. And it took a covenant, an understanding of, of covenant with God himself in order for them to actually start walking down that path. If they didn't understand covenant, they didn't understand mission, they would never have done it. They had to understand, listen, this is a dangerous thing. They could kill us, but I am not my own. I belong to him. This is why I exist. I'm going after it. And that's what happens. What does that mean for you? What does that mean for me? What does it, what does it mean in our lives, this, this covenant thing? What's the story in here for us? Well, honestly, God's, this is more personal for you. I actually feel this, this whole thing with the church and, and what we're voting on and praying for, this isn't corporate. And let me tell you, if this was corporate, God would have given us the plans ahead of time and, and, and the path, and we would have come to you and said, hey, here's the path. Here's the path that God's told us to do. Now you just have to follow it. God hasn't done that. God says, no, this is personal. This path will be achieved only if the people in this church make it personal with them. God is saying, this is between me and you. This is like personal circumcision. This is, will you commit to me? Will you, this is on you, you and me. This is what this is between. God says, I want you to set aside yourself for me. I want you to pray and ask me if this is what I'm saying. Don't ask Selwyn. Don't ask the board. They've asked you to ask me. This is between you and him. See, see, we have to understand this as a church. A building will never be our goal. 
The, the, the building is no more the goal than the west side of the Jordan was the goal for the Israelites. It might be the first thing on our stepping place, but we have to understand the only reason why God would want us to have another building is because he has people that aren't yet in it that he wants to bring into it. That means the focus is not on the building, but the focus is on people. And so God is saying, listen, the byproduct of your obedience to me, even as the Spirit told us this morning, is you're going to need this building. God forbid, or God help us, if we suddenly make it about a building. We, we can't. We will never be about the carpet. We will never be about, 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 about anything in that building. How pretty it is, how beautiful, how comfortable it is, how it makes me feel is really irrelevant. It's about, is it practical and functional for it to handle what God is doing? It's just what God is saying. And so what we have to do for us is to understand that this, there might be a, a building on the horizon for us, but our vision and mission is going beyond that to understand what we're praying for and seeking for is the mission of Jesus Christ, which looks like leading lost people into his life and into his light. And so we've got to see beyond the building and go, no, 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 that is not the mission. The mission is people, the hurting, the broken. The mission is to take the land, not to build a building. And so we find ourselves just like the Israelites, don't we? We find ourselves standing there and we're going, wait a second, man. Okay, God, if, if this isn't about a building, it's really not about me and, and, and me feeling comfortable, me having big enough room to sit and not have to sit next to anybody, then, 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 then this is about you and it's about your mission. And man, if your mission is New England, God, that seems a whole lot like Canaan to me. Don't you know? This is not where churches survive in New England. They, they tell pastors that New England is the graveyard for pastors. They do. If you want to be a pastor and you want to succeed, go south. Don't come here. Don't come here. Churches are declining and they're dying. And the people here, it's not that they, 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 they aren't Christian. They don't like Christianity. It's not like they're okay with you existing. They'd rather you didn't exist here. They'd rather you go somewhere else. In the South, they may not be Christian, but they're okay with you being Christian. But so when we look at the land that God is calling us into, it's not about a building. He's calling us into hostile territory. He's saying, man, listen, no, understand. This is not about the building. It's about taking the land for God and seeing the lost come to know Jesus Christ. And, and let, me, let me just, you need to understand this, glad tidings, that this is personal. This is not about the church as a whole. It's about you. Where the glad tidings succeeds in its mission is whether you understand your covenant relationship with him. It's whether you understand your individual mission. You can't make this about anybody else. You can't make this about a board. You can't make it about a pastor. You can't make it about a church body. This is about you. This is personal. And God says, listen, I am calling you to, to Jericho. I'm calling you to the Jericho of the United States where there are fortified cities. There are stronger people. You are far outnumbered by non-Christians than you are with Christians. You are not popular. Even the ones that call themselves Christians or maybe Christian by name, that's it. And I am calling you into obedience to take the land. And we can look back and go, man, no one's ever taken New England. God, don't you know pastors die here? Churches decline here. It's a, it's a land full of tradition. Man, there's no hope here. And God says, you just move in obedience to me. That's all you've got to do. You just obey me. It starts with crossing the Jordan. 
Let's get that right. And then it starts with you covenanting with me. But you need to understand covenant. You need to understand dying to self. You need to understand that you aren't the main player in your story. And he says, and when you get that right, let me tell you, then you will move after me. And by the way, let me tell you how you'll take Jericho down. You're going to walk around it and yell. And the walls of this fortified city will come down. Amen? Man, let's not get intimidated by New England. Let's not get intimidated by the people. Let's not get intimidated by our workplaces. We don't have to have the strategy. We have to have the obedience. We have to have a commitment to God to say, God, whatever you say, I'm going. But it starts here, guys. It doesn't start up here. It starts here. It starts in you. It starts in me. Will you commit? See, because each of you have your Jerichos. You're going out. You're going out to Jericho every, every, time, you go to, every time you go to work. And, and maybe, maybe even that is an act of sacrifice. Maybe you'd much rather be somewhere else. Maybe you'd rather be a missionary. Maybe you'd rather be a pastor. Maybe you'd rather work in the church. But God says, no, it's not about what you want. It's about what I want. And what I want is for you to take my light here. Oh, God, but there's no Christians there. Can you, can you put me where there are Christians? Please? How many of us have prayed that? God, can you put us where I don't have to work? It's funny now, right? But we pray that. I understand that. Sometimes you get beaten up, right? Sometimes it's hard. You know what Jesus Christ says? When questioned by the Pharisees, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not called, come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. The reason why you're with unbelievers is because God came for them. God came for them to lead them out of darkness. I know it's not comfortable. I know you'd rather be with other Christians. I, I know it'd be easier. And I, and I get that. Trust me. But sometimes Christians are worse. <laughs> Trust me, I've been in both. Sometimes like the God's the same to the secular world. At least they have an excuse. <laughs> At least they don't claim to know you. Right? I mean, that's the truth. Right? There's nothing worse than working for somebody who claims to be a Christian than a terrible right? We all think it's great. But listen, man, God says, now you're there. That's your Jordan, man. That's, that's your Jericho. Take the land. Oh, God, I don't know how I'm going to do it. You don't have to know how to do it. Just follow me. I walk into death and defeat it. You don't. And if you follow me, cities that have been fortified for thousands of years will come tumbling down when you yell. I love what happens in Joshua Joshua chapter 5, verses 13, I, I just want to read this real quick, because and, 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 I think it's cool, is they, they, they do this whole covenant thing with God, and, and God hasn't given the plan for Jericho yet, which if, if I'm anything like Joshua, vice versa, I'm a little overwhelmed, thinking, how does this happen? So this is what happens, verse 13, it says, now when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand, and Joshua went up to him and asked, are you for us or our enemies? Neither, he replied, but, a com as, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Then Joshua fell down to the ground in reverence and asked him, what message does my Lord have for his servant? I just want to touch on that real quick. All right, so here's God, basically, the commander of the Lord's army. He's standing there, and Joshua sees him. He says, hey, are you for us or against us? And, and God says, no. Like, I mean... 
you kind of think that's a fair question, right? You should be for us, right? Andy Stanley talks about this, and I'm going to steal what Andy Stanley said because I love it. Andy Stanley says this. It was like God was saying this. I'm not a character in your story, Joshua. You're a character in mine. This is not about me being for you. The question is, are you for me? When you go, are you for us or against us, we make God out to be a supporting role. And the story is about us. And we're the main theme. God's desire was not for the Canaanites to die. His desire for it was for them to, to repent and find God. He wasn't against them. But they weren't for him. And so it wasn't going to stand. So I, I love how God just says no. Listen, let me just ask you this. To kind of sew all this up. To get an idea of where you are in your baptism lived out. Is God a supporting character in your story? Or are you a supporting character in his? If your life was a movie, who has the main role? Who's the main character? Is it you? And and is God there to help you accomplish what you want to get done in life? Because then he's in support. But if it's him, then really what it is, is it's about you carrying out your life, supporting his mission and his purposes and his plans. Who supports who? How you answer that question will tell you how you're living out your baptism. Are you living it out in obedience and surrender to him? Or are you living it out walking your own way? It actually gives a picture of whether you're the kind of Israelite that crosses the Jordan River or you're the kind of Israelite that dies in the wilderness. You may love God, but you trust him, you don't trust him, you obey him, you don't obey him, you go back and forth, you're wishy-washy. Man, God wants to take Jericho's with you. Do you understand that? Man, God has built you and placed you here for such a time as this. And I am grateful to God that he would choose me to have just a small role in his story of salvation to those walking and moving and living in darkness. And my goodness, can you imagine the stories we will tell when we see Jericho fall? Not because of our strategy, but simply because of our obedience. God has called you to a personal covenant with him, a personal mission. Why? Because he's told you, go and take the land. Go and take the land, glad tidings. Go and take the land. It doesn't start here. Don't wait for a church ministry. It starts with you. It starts in your workplace. It starts with your obedience. It starts with your surrender. This entire story, this entire series could be summed up in one word, and that is surrender. Amen? I'm just going to close this in prayer. We have to move on to this meeting now. Um, But I just want to say this again. Uh, This church, and I mean this with all of my heart, this church is not mine. You know, even when I go to other places with other ministers, they go, oh, your church. I kind of cringe. You know, I try to refer to it as glad tidings. Glad tidings is not my church. Because honestly, it's not. It's not. It's not mine. 
It's not the board's, it's his. Can I also say something? As strongly as I'm saying that, your life is not your own. Not if you've given it to God. It is not yours. You've surrendered it to him. It belongs to him. It belongs to him. I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but he lives in me. And when we embrace that, let me tell you, you will walk into possessed lands. You will walk into occupied territories. You will walk into fortified cities. You by yourself with God leading, and you will simply speak the words, and strongholds will come down. And the toughest people who the walls, who never, who rejected Christ, will come tumbling down, and they will come to know him. Why? Because you move in obedience. Is that what you want? I know it's what I want. Would you stand to your feet this morning, and let's just pray. And then uh, we'll dismiss you guys to go and, and get your kids. And please come back in here and uh, we'll move on. Lord Jesus, we come before you. And God, I, we just thank you for your amazing love and passion. God, God, we thank you, Lord Jesus, that, that you God, not only saved us, but God, you would choose to use us in your story. God, you would give us a role in the salvation process of leading so many people who are hurting and struggling. And, and God addicted and in bondage, Lord God, to know you. And, and God, I just pray right now for all of us in this place. God, God I know that, that as hearts hear your words this morning, God, I know that everyone in here, God, they, they want to be living a life of obedience to you. But God, when they maybe look at their lives, they can see where they're challenged. They can see where they, where, where, where maybe there are strongholds, where there's, there's uncrucified flesh in their lives, where they, they keep taking control and, and God, it grieves them. And and God, I just pray this morning that for each of us who have those areas in our lives, God, that we, as we lay them down before you, that you would forgive us, Lord Jesus. God, that you'd forgive us for making the story about us and not about you. And God, would you, would you forgive us and would you help us, Lord God? Would you strengthen us that when we, when we attempted to go that way, would you just remind us, Lord, of your words this morning so that we can repent, Lord God? God, would you help us to die to ourselves every single day? God, would you help us to live and move and walk out our baptism, our covenants with you? God, because your mission exists and it's greater than us. God, would you help us not to feel overwhelmed by the enemy, overwhelmed by the odds, Lord God, and, and recognize that greater is he that is in me than he is in the world, Lord God, and that as we move in obedience, Lord Jesus, the strongest of strongholds, the, the, the biggest fortified cities, Lord God, the most impenetrable walls of those who do not know you would come tumbling down, not because we had some great strategy of witnessing, Lord God, but simply because we moved in obedience to you, that those walking and living in darkness, Lord God, would come to know you, God. Lead us and guide us that we may be effective for you. In Jesus' name, amen. We love you guys. God bless. Go away and come back. All right.